on, um, on the scripture that we're going to go, except maybe when we went through the book of Luke uh, a while back. Um, but what I want to talk about today is, is the childhood of, of Jesus Christ. And, and it's difficult for me and you. Because how in the world um, could our Lord and Savior um, be a child? It just don't make sense to us. Um, after I preached this, this sermon today at the 8.30 service, one of the guys come up to me and he said, Now come on, preacher, you're trying to tell me that Jesus never one time pulled a little girl's ponytails in Sunday school. And, um, and I'm like, I'm guessing not. Is, whatever, is, is my bet is going to be on the big no on, on that one, but you can believe what you, you want to believe on that. Um, and so we've really um, kind of uh, always struggled with this. This is one of my favorite paintings from a German artist in, in many years ago, um, and he, he painted a picture of Joseph working on wood there, and, um, and Jesus is holding a, a candle um, for his dad to work on on that wood and it kind of reminds me of me holding the flashlight for my dad you know what I'm saying um, and Jesus got to hold the 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 candle for for Joseph and I got to handle the handle the flashlight for Charles um, I hope uh, Joseph had more patience with Jesus than Charles had with Chuck you know what I'm saying uh, because I had a I had attention deficit disorder and still do, and I'm sure that that flashlight was all over the place constantly when that when I was holding the flashlight. But when we look at the childhood of Jesus, we're going to look in Luke chapter two, um, verses thirty nine through fifty two, and in this scripture it is jam packed full of amazing stuff. And I hope that you grab a hold of some of it. One of it is that. This is the last we hear of Joseph, the father, the earthly father, the parent of Jesus. After today and after these verses, um, we go into the life of Jesus, the early ministry of Jesus, to the crucifixion of Jesus, to the death. We never hear of Joseph again. We don't know um, what happened if, if he died young um, right after this. We, we don't know really um, what happened. And then also, what we get to hear in these scriptures is something so special that many of us forget how special it is, and we look over it, that we get to hear the first words recorded of Jesus Christ. I know that my first words and your first words were probably mommy or daddy or something of that nature, but these are the very first words recorded that we have of Jesus that we're finding in the scriptures that we're going to read today. So as we read this, pay attention and, and think about this, this newborn babe that we've been celebrating over the last couple of years of the coming that he came to us. And now he's, he's, growing, he's growing into a man. Verse 39, the Bible says this. So when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was there, was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. 
But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men. The years between the birth of Christ and the beginning of his earthly ministry at the age of 30 are um, referred to as the silent years. Um, for approximately um, age 2 to 30, very little is known about Jesus Christ except this passage that we just now read about when he was 12 years old. And something that this reminds us of is that the Bible wasn't written to satisfy our curiosity. The majority of people today read the Bible out of curiosity more than out of adoration. And when you're trying to trust God in curiosity, that's what killed the cat. But what we need to do is trust God with what? All our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. So the, the Bible was not made so that we would no longer be curious. The Bible was written so that we would know that Jesus Christ loves us and that he died on the cross for us so that we would not have to perish but that we could have everlasting life. So let's notice some things about the, the childhood of Jesus and maybe you, we have not known them in the past. Very simply at the very beginning in verse 39, we recognize that Jesus grew up in, in Nazareth. Um, the Bible says in, in verse um, 39 of, of Luke chapter 2, So when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. So we know that, that Christ was going to be his name and he was going to be raised as a Nazarene from Nazareth. But what we do know is about how people felt about Nazareth. If you can remember at the beginning of the ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Simon invited Nathaniel to come and see Jesus to meet him. And Nathaniel said, what in the world good has ever come out of Nazareth? That's how... He was taught about Nazareth. Nathaniel said, you know what? Ain't nothing ever good to come out of Nazareth. There's no higher education in Nazareth. It, there, there's no sophistication in Nazareth. There's no big doctors or philosophers that have ever come out of that place. So his question was, what good could possibly come out of, of Nazareth? And Philip's answer is what? Come and see. 
You might think nothing good has ever come out of Nazareth, but it has. And his name is Jesus. And he invites um, Nathaniel to come and see him. One of my favorite places in the world is Nazareth. And, and I have a bucket list just like everybody else has a bucket list. My bucket list is just a little bit different than most people's bucket list. But one thing that I want to do before I'm not able to do it, and that might be next week, I don't know. But in Nazareth, on top of the hill, there in Nazareth, overlooking Nazareth, is a special place. And you, most people, in the, even in the church, don't even remember the part of Scripture. But right at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, here on, his ministry here on earth, he was preaching in Nazareth. But we know that no prophet is good in his what? In his own hometown. And they went to put hands on Jesus there in Nazareth. They went to take hold of him, and he was preaching, and they went to grab a hold of him, and they couldn't get a hold of him. They tried their best, but they, but they, they just couldn't touch him. They couldn't grab him. And he walked right through the middle of them, and from that hilltop there in Nazareth, he walked all the way to Capernaum, Sea of Galilee. It's a 40-mile walk. And today, it's called the Jesus Trail. And you can go, and, and you can make that mapped-out journey from the, that top of the hill there in Nazareth. That's the buildings down on the bottom of that hill. That's Nazareth. You can take that look and walk all the way to Capernaum. It takes all day, or maybe two days if you're like me, um, to be able to make that, make that trip, and you can walk in the steps of Jesus. And that would be a beautiful opportunity one day to be able to be a part of that. But we know that he grew up there in Nazareth, but then he did most of his ministry around the Sea of Galilee. But what we want to see in verse 40 is this. Jesus did not remain a baby boy. Um, the world is not offended by baby Jesus. That's why Christmas is the most popular holiday that we have because no one looks at baby Jesus and gets offended. He is just, just cute as a, as a, I don't know what. He's just cute, you know what I'm saying? And he doesn't bother people. He, he is just is a, is a cute baby. But what people don't realize is that he grew up. Look in verse 40 with me. The Bible says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. He grew physically. He, he grew intellectually. He, he grew spiritually. But that's always been hard for me and you to, to get a hold of, to wrap our minds around. And it's always been hard for, for centuries. If you've been with me overseas and been in different Orthodox churches, um, or if you've just been on your own maybe in Italy or, or in Greek, Greece or any place or seen, Every one of the older icons, the medieval um, paintings of, the, of Jesus and Mary, all make Jesus look like a 30-year-old man in the baby, baby Jesus. It's really weird. I, I got one picture here or two pictures of that, um, of the icon of what it would look like. And you can see he don't look like a baby, does he? Um, it reminds me of like the Seinfeld episode when you look in the baby, whoa, you know, you know that, he is not a cute little baby. So why in the world did those medieval painters want to allow you to not see a cute baby, but actually see an adult looking baby 
um, in the arms of, of Mary. And the simple fact is they wanted to draw attention not to a cute baby, but to the fact that God left heaven and came to us. They didn't want us to, to, to only remember him as a newborn babe unto us, a child is given. They wanted us to understand he came not to be a baby adored in a manger, but he came to save us from our sins. He came to pay the penalty that he only could pay and that he gave his life on the cross of Jesus. So even in the medieval times, they struggled and worried what people would think about baby Jesus. And they wanted everybody to know he didn't stay a baby. He, he grew up and he was about his, his father's business. Um, he needed to grow, to mature, to develop like any child that's even here with us today. They needed to learn to walk. And I, I know you having little babies right now. Man, I, I can remember both of my, bo my boys, and, and we could not wait till they started walking. And, and both of my kids were early walkers. And we'd get excited and say, man, I can't wait till they start walking. But then after they started walking, we're like, man, I wish they'd sit down. You know what I'm saying? And, and just like, relax for a little while. Um, and then you say, man, I can't, I can't wait till they, they start talking. And then they start talking. And they're like, are you ever going to shut up? Is this going to be our life? You know, this is what it is. Um, and, but he grew and he learned to talk. He learned to read. He learned to work. And the Bible tells us in, in Mark chapter 6 and verse 3, is, this, is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon, and not, and not his sisters here with us, and they were offended at him. How can this man say that he's God because we see his brothers and sisters? He's a carpenter. He's not God. We know him. So we see that, that Jesus not only grew to, to walk and to talk and to, to read and to write, but he learned a trade, and he became a carpenter. It's probably not what me and you think a carpenter is today. I think it was probably more what we would consider a contractor, a mason, someone who works in, in concrete and such like that, because there wasn't much wood, and still not much, much wood in Israel today. But you know what? He, he had a childhood. I don't, I'm not saying he had a normal childhood, but he had a childhood. Um, he had brothers and sisters. Can you imagine for a second Jesus Christ being your brother? Thinking about you not living up to your older brother. Can you imagine not living up to Jesus? You know what? Jesus never did that. You know what? Jesus never acted like the way you act. You know what I'm saying? There's no way. And can you imagine um, playing hide and seek with Jesus? <laughs> you're playing with an omniscient God. He knows where you're at can't hide from him you know what I'm saying there, in, there ain't no way in, in the world that you could do it so but he learned to trade he became a carpenter and, and he did that can you imagine that there were things built by Jesus out there still maybe today it just blows my mind but what I want to concentrate on today is this and I know it's going to sound funny but he had a normal childhood and every year uh, Mary and Joseph would would make a trip to, to back to Jerusalem. And I bet it was, it was almost like a, a, a 
a yearly trip to remind them of Bethlehem because Jerusalem's just right outside of Bethlehem. And they went every year back to Jerusalem to the feast of the Passover. And, and every year they took and they, they brought Jesus. And now we're on the 12th year of Jesus and they're taking him to church. And I love this. All that Mary and Joseph did was amazing. But you know what they still did? They took Jesus to church. The whole entire time. On his eighth day after he's born, you know what they did? They took the one who was going to redeem the world to be redeemed there at the temple. And he was circumcised on the eighth day. And two turtle doves were given in his behalf on that day. Just like any other person, he went through all of those things the law commanded them to do. The Bible says in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 um, and 42, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. Jesus was 12. Um, it was his year of bar mitzvah. And there's a show on Netflix, a movie on Netflix that have made, has made this more popular and most people are hearing about it more than they've ever heard about it. But a bar mitzvah is easily understood and broken down into, into its, in, so we can understand it in, in English. And at the top of the picture, you see Musseltoff. And you hear people saying that in Hebrew, and it's just congratulations. And But mar, bar mitzvah, if you're a, a son, and bat mitzvah, if you're a daughter, bar meaning son and bat meaning daughter, um, is a celebration that, that happens when they come, the coming of age of a Jewish person. Um, and at 12 years old to 13, um, you become a man in a Jewish um, tradition. But one thing that I wanted to draw your attention to in bar mitzvah is that we know what bar means because it means son. And any time in the Bible, you'll see bar something, and that means the son of somebody. Um, but mitzvah is, is a, a word that kind of sneaks off from us, but it's very simple and meaningful to me and you because most of us cannot understand what bar mitzvah means. But bar meaning son and mitzvah means commandments, commandments. So what bar mitzvah means are the son of the commandments. So what happens when a Jewish young man becomes 13 years old, 12 and 13 years old, is that he becomes a son of of the commandments now he is responsible of keeping those those commandments those ten commandments those those commandments that the Jewish people have so he is now coming of age that now he's not um, out there just living under his mom and dad but now he's out there becoming a man and learning things on his own doing things and keeping those commandments and he's held accountable to those commandments now he's come to the age of what me and you would consider the age of accountability where he can now understand what it means to make a mistake so jesus is there at, at, at 12 he'd become a man he was holding to the sons of the commandments and what happens is one of my favorite stories in the bible that we miss joseph and mary run off and leave jesus and, and i love this story and i just say hold it right there people I've been a pastor here for, for a long time, and you cannot imagine how many kids have been left at First, left at First Baptist Church. <laughs> I've walked through the church locking up the doors, and this little ch child just walks up beside of me, and I'm like, what are you doing? 
He said, well, mom thought I was with, her, with dad, and dad thought I was with mom, and, and they, grandpa thought they, I was with somebody else, and now they're all gone, and I, it's just me and you. <laughs> I said, well, you can't stay here, and I'm not taking you home. You know. uh, but I, we'd all make a phone call, and, or sometimes people would sit there at the down-home grill and say, where's Junior? And then they'd come back and get him, or, you know, or we'd have to take him home or, or something like that. It didn't happen once. It, it, it happened a, a great deal of time. Um, and uh, there must be a big problem in today because my truck, when I, got, I get out of it, it beeps. And it says, check the back seat, which scares me to death because there ain't nothing back there. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that TV, that movie when we were kids. Is anybody home? Have you checked the back room? You know what I'm saying? No, no. Um, is the babysitter home or whatever that was? Um, I hope there's nowhere, nobody in my back seat. If there ever is, um, it will scare me half to death. But we must be leaving kids all over the place, um, and that we need that reminder of that. But listen as we walk through verses 43. Verse 43 says this, When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother, what? Did not know it. Jesus wasn't with them, and they did not know it. Let me share something with you today, and I know it's a, it's a bit of a spiritualization, a bit of a stretch, but there's times that we've left Jesus behind out of our life, but because we were so busy, we didn't even know it. We didn't even realize that we had forgot the main thing, Jesus. That's what happens in my life sometimes, in your life. We forget. Verse 44 um, tells us um, that very thing that happened. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. They forgot him. They supposed, they thought, they figured that Jesus was with them. They took it for granted that he was with them. He had always been there with them, but he was not with them at all. And they went a whole day's journey. I can remember when my, my first son was born. Me and my, before he was born, me and my wife had a, um, I don't know what you would call it, a, a, a thing that we did, a tradition. It wouldn't be a tradition, but just something we did all the time. We lived in a city of 350,000 people. And that city, you could barely turn around a lot of times. I mean, it was just constantly busy, everything going on. And I'm coming from 2,000 people, you know, a small town, and here we are in a huge city. And the only time that it was really nice and quiet was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, me and my wife would, maybe we were young at the time and didn't go to sleep, uh, uh, like everybody else, and we got up and we'd walk through the town center and just see how beautiful everything was and just enjoyed ourselves together that way. It was romantic. Um, and one day uh, we did that. And we got, I don't know how far down the road we, can, we would be. I'm hoping it wasn't very far. <laughs> but then we looked at each other and panicked that we now have a child at home. And we took off running as hard as we possibly could. 
at 2 o'clock in the morning, people think, thought monsters were after us, you know what I'm saying, and got home and said, we can't ever forget that we have a kid, that we're not able to just do this anymore. We had to change that. But listen, many times we forget. We get called up and we do something that, that we should not have done. And they took, grand, took for granted that he was always there and they thought he was there, but he wasn't there. And so many times that happens in mine and your life spiritually. So what did they do? It says they started looking for him. But I want to show you this. Is they looked for him in all the wrong places. When you lose something and you start looking for that thing that you lost, you never find it at the very beginning. Because you always look in the wrong place. If I lose my keys... I always open my refrigerator. <laughs> I have never found my keys in my refrigerator before, but I'm always hoping. <laughs> and since I'd opened the refrigerator, I might as well get a snack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> since, since I was up already. But when we lose things, we always look in the wrong places. He looked, they looked for Jesus among the, his family and his acquaintances, but he was not he was not to be found. So here they, they take their trip back to Jerusalem and look to where they found him and when, and when they found him in verse 45 and verse 46. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after how many days? They lost Jesus for three days. Let me tell you, Mom, You'd be panicking by now. Dad would be so furiated. Everybody would be upset. And people would be like, leave me alone. We'll find him. Three days they lost, they lost Jesus. Um, and they found him, listen, in the temple. But listen to what he was doing in the temple. Both listening to them and asking them, them questions. They found him in the temple they found him in God's, God's house. And I mean, stop there just for a second. I have had people tell me constantly, you know what, I'm turning over a new leaf this year. Things are going to change. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. And they give me a big long list of how they're going to change their life. And you know what they've left out of everything? God's house. Nothing with God's house. You know what? Normally the reason why people don't ever find peace is that they're always looking in the wrong places. The reason they don't always find safety and where and being able to belong is they've always been looking in the wrong places. You want to find your family? Look in God's house. You want to find peace? Find it in God's house. It's where we need to be looking. They found him in a temple. They found him what, what they were looking for in the house of God. And what was he doing? And verse 47 tells us this. And he heard him, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. They found him in the temple 
teaching the teachers. And I want you to see the word that I want to draw your attention to is astonished. All who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. I don't know when the last time you, were, you, you personally used the word astonished. Outside of this, I don't know if I've ever used the word astonished. I don't think anything has ever shocked me to the point where I thought the word astonished ought to come out. But these chief priests and scribes were sitting in the temple. And this 12-year-old little boy was there. And they were talking to him and explaining him God. And the little boy understood everything. And they were astonished at his questions and his answers. But I want you to pay attention to what was happening in that astonishment. Those chief priests and scribes were describing God to God. And they were astonished that he understood. Guess what? God understands it all. I'm astonished of how little me and you understand. At least I understand. But God understands it all. He knows what happened, why things happened last year. And he, know why, he knows why things are going to happen next year. And the only thing I can do is trust and sit back and be astonished at him knowing what's going on. And not only was they astonished by what he knew, but his parents came and they were amazed in verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said to him, and I love this part because this is the closest Jesus got to a chewing out. Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. What's wrong? Have you ever been lost or lost a kid or been the kid who got lost? The mother always hugs you first and then scolds you immediately. What were you thinking? Goodness gracious, you scared us to death. Don't you ever, don't you ever do something like this again. That's what had happened. And she said it scared her half to death, but she was amazed of Jesus sitting down with these people and being able to understand and be able to explain to them God. It even amazed her, and she had to go home and try to figure this out in, in her own, own life. But listen, out of the middle of all that, me and you get to hear the first words of Jesus in verse 49. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus, you know where he was at? He wasn't in the wrong place. He was in the right place. He was in the place doing his father's business. The last recorded words of Jesus kind of explain the first recorded words of Jesus. 
Because the, la- the first ones, Mary and Joseph could not understand what he was saying. But then his last ones was in John chapter 19, verse 30. The Bible says this. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, Tet to less to life. Which is to mean, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the ghost spirit. His first words was, don't you know, I'm about my father's business. And his last words before he gave up his life on the cross was, my father's business is done. This is why the Lord sent me, and now it's done. The price of all the sin upon this world has now been paid in full. He has accomplished his father's business. In the Garden of Gethsemane, just a few days before he said those last words, he asked the Lord, is there any possible way that this cup could pass from me? Is there any way else that I don't have to do your business, that I don't have to pay this sacrifice? And there was no other way. He was the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And when he gave up his life upon the cross, he paid the sin debt in full. And today, our sins have been forgiven because he was about the Father's business. And today, we can celebrate Christmas, Easter, coming to church by knowing that the Father's business has been taken care of. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the business that Jesus was all about. And that's what he was accomplishing here on earth. The work his Father had sent him to do was done. The debt was paid. You know, I told you at the beginning, every time my car beeps and tells me to check my back seat, I ain't got nothing back there. But you know what I've changed and I've used that for? To remind me to never forget Jesus. You're saying you keep Jesus in the back seat? No. He's not my co-pilot either. I let him drive. Jesus, take the wheel. You've heard the gospel song. Amen. (laughs) You sang that hymn with us. But listen, Jesus never asked us in the Bible to remember his birth. But man, do we do it. We started decorating a long time ago. As soon as Thanksgiving was over, some of us was already decorating and ready to celebrate his birth. Man, we're all about uh, remembering his birth. But Jesus never one time asked us to remember his birth. But he... He does ask us to remember his death. Luke chapter 22 and verse 19 says this. And he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, listen, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He has asked us to never, ever, never, ever forget his death. And today, me and you 
as the church, we need to be about our Father's business. That's our job right now. And you say to me, what is the, the Father's business? And I want to share with you Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Jesus Christ is standing on Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. And he comes with a bout of compassion. And he has compassion over the whole entire city of Jerusalem. And this is what he says, because they are like sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. And they need to be found. Don't have any direction in their life. And listen to what he says. The harvest truly is plentiful. But listen, but the labors are few. You know what? If you break that down for a moment, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. The Lord has enough kids today. But listen, are we about our Father's business? Are we working in the field that he's put us in? Are we working in the harvest that we've been called to? You know what Jesus did? He reconciled fallen mankind to a holy God. And he's given me and you the same business of helping people who have had the hardest life in the world make peace with a holy God. That's our Father's business. And he says this, harvest truly is plentiful, but the labor is a few. Listen to what he says, this. Pray, therefore the Lord of harvest would send forth labors into his, his field. I don't have a piece of paper. Anybody got a piece of paper I can borrow? Got one there, Tim. Someone explained this to me a while back, and I've heard it my whole life because I was raised in church too. Um, people have told me, he said, you know, they, they said they'd hold up a piece of paper in church. I don't remember this as a kid, and I never missed church. Some of you all didn't go to church, sinners. Um, but they would hold up a piece of paper and, um, and they say see how perfectly straight these edges are and how nice it is and how clean it is and how pretty it is it's just really nice it's, it's, it's something that you'd like to have it's, it's usable it's, it's nice and he says but what happens when you sin is this you take that which is perfect and you crumble it up and you try your best to to make it straight again but no matter how hard you pull and how much you straighten that out it's always going to be what wrinkled and this young lady who shared this with me said that's how I feel about the church the church loved me when I was that clean piece of paper that was innocent and pure but because of the sin that I came into and I've gotten crumbled up and messed up that the church does not think I'll ever be useful again and they've discarded me because I'm not able to 
to be like I was before. It's not pure, and I can never get that back. And she said, that's why I don't want to have anything to do with the church anymore, because they've rejected me because of the mistakes that I've made. I said, honey, I don't know what church you've been to or what gospel you've heard, but that's the actually opposite of what God preaches to us. You know what the Lord preaches to us? That for all have sinned and came short of the glory of God. Every single one of us made mistakes. Every single one of us went the wrong way. We're like sheep that had no shepherd. And I would love to be able to be a, a, a musician and I could pull it out and it'd be straight, but I can't do that. But you know who can? God. And that's what he does every day. He takes crumbled up pieces of paper of people who tried to stay straight but couldn't. And he takes them and he pulls on them and he makes them a new creature. Behold, all things have become new. All those old things have passed away. And he makes you as white as snow. And I'm saying today that the church, the world, is filled with people that are crumbled up and feel like they never have another place again in the church. You know what? That's the lie of the devil. Because all of us have our wrinkles. All of us have been crumbled up and used for the wrong things. But whosoever today shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.